0: Welcome to The Board, a podcast series on mechanical keyboards by the mechanical keyboard community. Proudly brought to you by IDEA twenty three Awesome Caps at Great Prices Kibio The Place for Split Keyboards DIY Keyboards Get Cracking And Introducing Daily Clack Australia's Enthusiast Mechanical Keyboard Store. Hello! How are you all today? I do want to say that I do realise it is in fact Tuesday today, in Australia at least, where I'm recording this episode, and today's episode is delayed even further than the normal Monday or Sunday that I've been recently recording. Now, I don't want to tend apologies because well I don't really need to Uh, it's been a long weekend here in Australia and as it were I thought I would actually you know chill out relax have a long weekend and a few things kind of popped up here and there did the usual went over to my parents so my daughter could spend time with grandparents and her cousins we went shopping on sunday because my wife worked on saturday so we didn't go shopping after the grandparents like we normally would and then also my sister-in-law came over on monday so you know there was lots of things happening and it being a long weekend my wife also had some sewing projects that she had some time urgency to complete so i figured you know what it would be perfectly fine for me to just delay temporarily since i don't think any of you would necessarily enjoy hearing a Bernina sewing machine in the background hammering away, or our overlocker absolutely smashing fabric. So, here it is, this week's episode. Now, I do want to mention, and uh, of course our introduction has grown ever slightly, with the introduction and joining us of Daily Clack. Now, this one's a bit of a strange one, because I want to give a shout out for Reefs, otherwise known as Fatty, from Daily Clack, because... He's such a good bloke in keeping our Australian community going and being out there and putting down money where his mouth is and supporting group buyers to make it affordable for Australians and people in the Oceania region. We actually currently don't have exactly an agreement of sorts and I don't have a problem with that. I don't really feel we need to and I'm here to help promote, shout out and support the keyboard community in general. So you know what, if you're a vendor out there and you want to be out there to be spread the word and whatnot, get in touch with me. We'll see what happens. And if you feel like that the value that we give you is worthwhile, then you know we can discuss something further. So there you have it. Now this week, I wanna go over uh, you know one or two topics, nothing major in regards to keyboards. We're gonna do the giveaway draw for the September one and talk a little bit about the October one, Um, but the bulk of this week's episode, I actually want to talk about something that's slightly off keyboard, but we'll kind of get to that. Maybe let's do the keyboard content first and the giveaways and whatnot, because if you're not interested in listening to that stuff, you don't have to, you know, try and skip through the rest of the episode. So this week, really, only two things have kind of been pulled out to my direct attention by people asking me to look and comment on it the first one is another color mismatch incident and this is the xda melon so i kind of hadn't really been keeping terribly terribly much track of this and well it's not really a set that has necessarily had a lot of attention drawn to it as far as i understand so XDA Melon, it's the XDA XDA profile. There's some couple of pictures here where the colours within the set itself are well, they don't they don't sit very well. The tones and things like that, they're not even consistent. So it's a it's a watermelon based set, and I can kind of see the pinks and the reds to indicate the flesh, and then there's like this darker tealy green kind of colour, which is I suppose, closer to the the skin, the flesh of the watermelon. And then there's this sort of even weirder paley color offset. That's all well and good, but when it sits together, some of the tones of the legends and the novelties don't seem to match very well. They, they seem very washed out. Um, the intensity of the color just doesn't seem to fit perhaps the the design intent now i'm not bashing them terribly hard right now you know i'm not really out there to to poke fun and bash them about that but we don't know what depth and level of quality control was required what was even done at all it could have just been like here go match these colors bam i don't know how much they paid for this set and what level of gripe they're entitled to but the reason why I mention this is, this tunes in with a update of another key set that is currently being delayed, and this is a mass drop, or drop, formerly known as mass drop set, um, where it actually escapes me right now what the name of that set is. If it comes to me, it comes to me. If it doesn't come to me, my apologies. But those people who Are aware of this will will know what i'm talking about where um yambo had actually said look the there's a delay there's a significant delay that we're experiencing but we want to get this right and they actually show a set of keys as part of their pre-production run where the colors seem really odd because if you flip the keycap over on the back the actual bright green fluoro shot there looks really lustrous. It's it's vivid, it's bright, it's you know almost like radioactive green kind of thing. But then they show the other side where the double shot is against the much darker coloring of the rest of the keycap and it completely saps that color away and that green loses that intensity so incredibly much. And this is where Unexpected color mixing and our visual perception, our brain processing can really mess with you because you think that color, that color, they should really pop. But then somehow, when you put them together and one is enveloped by the other, you get a completely different effect. And you know, this is really important, especially when you put colors side by side. If they're surrounded by different colors, if they're only the offset one side versus the other side our brains can interpret stuff very, very differently. And it tries to, you know, compensate in some way and neutralize and balance out quite often. Our brains are very good at balancing. So it's very hard to look at a render where graphically you can set something and go, you know what, that's going to be perfect. That's going to be beautiful. But then when it gets manufactured, even if you hit those color tones, the end effect can be very drastically different so i'm kind of glad that drop formerly known as mass drop has taken the time and effort to actually go that step beyond and they've gone and said you know what we've actually produced these they are the right colors but they just aren't turning out the way that we expect or want it to and because of that well we're going back to the drawing board and we're going to do a bit more testing to get the colors so that the color you're expecting for this set is actually the color that you're going to get from this set because you know what that's really important because that's what people want that's what people are paying for um i think that's something that makes it really challenging to run a production run if you don't have a good relationship with the factory and you have really time like really tight time constraints that you can't blow out or there's an expectation within the community because you're not giving updates and showing what's happening and what's going on and what's going wrong and stuff like that because then suddenly you're going to be in a pinch, everyone's banging for your blood and then you produce something that doesn't look anything like it and you've got a hundred sets. So it's a good lesson to undertake and learn that even if you are doing a lot of color matching, you really have to take it slow steps at the start when you get your samples produced. Now, it's all well and good, and I've talked about this previously. Like, uh, you know, people who go out and buy the RAL cards or even Pantone cards and things like that, or get the color chips from GMK or from Signature Plastics, that will only get you so far simply because a side by side comparison will not necessarily give you the impact of a color surrounded by another color as part of a shot, like a multi shot keycap. All right so whether you have the ability to make it request it generate it you know some kind of other set where you can actually start putting these combinations like it's almost sacrilegious to think that you would have to buy multiple sets of rail cards for example for gmk and punch holes in the middle of these row cards so that you can actually put a card inside the middle of another card because that's essentially what your legends are going to be looking like your your novelties will look like is a color surrounded by another color matching them side by side one effect inside another color another effect so something to think about um and to keep in the forefront so that if you are getting critical of sets that are coming out and they're looking out washed out that may be part of the reason and it's not that they're trying to screw you and it's not that the factory produce you the wrong color it's just how our brains are interpreting that mix of color so while we're still on the topic of key sets this one's a little bit different because what i'm talking about is the schmozzle of sa symbiosis through the kono store Man, that's a, it's a really, really interesting one. So the context here is that people started receiving an email that they were going to cancel some orders. And it was very confusing because it's a group buy. So if it's a group buy, why on earth do you need to cancel somebody's order? It doesn't make sense. Right, it just doesn't make sense because if you've been keeping tabs and you've been invoicing people and you have their payment or their deposit for the actual set, surely you would have a very good understanding of what was actually happening with that particular group buy and how many sets that you would require for the base, the alphas, you know, and so on and so forth. So Kono. Kind of, just sent out a whole bunch of stuff and obviously people were getting a bit concerned and then there was an update and the update in brief says hello we're popping in to provide some context on cancellation most importantly they're not widespread we've made sure to preserve older orders this issue shouldn't affect other vendors 20 to 30 of the newest cono orders amounting to about two percent of certain kits will be cancelled for example since cono bought 560 alphas we expect about 12 alpha kits to be cancelled we sent an apology notification email and our support team is active this weekend to work things out this happened because we pushed the purchase order numbers up a few times during the group buy at some point these adjustments which we made so more people could participate fell slightly out of sync with actual numbers we're working with signature plastics to have a second smaller round of the popular symbiosis sets early next year this will also help us serve some of the 20 to 30 people who are affected Whew. okay so let's let's break this down let's try and digest some of the components of that statement the facts are it was a group buy the second fact is it looks like kono bought an overhead Now I don't know what they had reached when the group buy closed but they're making a statement that Kono bought about 560 alphas. The way it sounds like to me is that and and some people within various community circles here have basically said they've gone and upped the amount past group by requirements so that they could have a couple of extra sets either as emergency spares or you know cynicism market flipping stuff that they can keep in stock and when the market price goes up for them they can release them out into the wild at a increased price and earn a bit more money so okay you know what that's okay that's perfectly fine if you want to do that and you engage in that kind of practice, whether it is you buying emergency sets in case sets get screwed up and that's perfectly legitimate and that's actually a really good strategy to undertake. Um, but then this is where it gets weird because as I say, in commas, we push the purchase order numbers up a few times. Why? I don't understand. You pushed them up. So does that mean you were faking the number of orders that people were making? Were you inflating the actual purchase amount so it looked like it was closer to hitting MOQ so that people would be more inclined to jump on to it because they were concerned it wasn't going to hit MOQ? If that's the case, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit shady, right? yeah because you're you're manipulating people to try and make this set happen depending on how big these pushes were now the second part of this, which was in brackets, was which we made so more people could participate. What does that even mean if the purchase order numbers were lower? Right, and you hadn't pushed them up, how does that prevent people from participating in a group buy? And of course, that reflects back to what I'm saying in, did they artificially inflate them to make it look like they were going to hit MOQ, or to claim that they went over MOQ? But wait, if it hit MOQ, why would they need to cancel? Is it because the actual number of purchases were lower than moq but if it was lower than moq then that set would not have been produced so everybody would be cancelled and not two percent but if it was over moq organically without your inflated numbers then why would you need to cancel any sets so it's a bit of a weird circular kind of thing that's happening here now when you say that the numbers, the adjustments fell slightly out of sync with actuals how? How does it how does that even happen when you have people's orders and invoices and money you have records of this now somebody had said you know, their Zendesk or whatever was busted and some of their messages took over a month to to deal with, alright So, if your tracking system failed, if your tracking system had failed and whatnot, you should say that, right? You shouldn't be talking about weird adjustments because that just throws a lot of things around that make no sense. And at the same time, if your Zendesk stuffed up, and you're going to be under, I don't think it's very fair for you to be cancelling people who, on good faith, had put in their time, effort, and money and said that they were willing to get this at the normal time for this production. Now, the, the wording here is really, really interesting, and it's kind of unpleasant, because in their first paragraph it says, this issue shouldn't affect other vendors. Now, for me, I think that's not cool. The fact that you're actually playing towards vendors, right, rather than individuals, because do you know if the vendor is holding it for stock to sell, or is it because vendors are buying them on behalf of other people as local group buys, right? And this is where you should have gone forward and asked the question to the vendors and said, hey, How many are you actually purchasing for stock? Because if you're purchasing for stock and then you've got a mix of stock and you've got a mix of people who are actually purchasing through you as a proxy, can we just cut back on the ones for stock right now because you'll get your stock in this next round early next year? Because for me, in my situation, if I was that person who was managing this buy, that's the way I would do it because that's the right thing to do. Sure, the vendor might not be happy because they're not going to have stock to sell. But I think for the people, for the community, the right thing should have done that you should have done would have been to look after the people first who'd actually made commitments and paid you your money. Yes, a vendor has paid you as well, but it's for stock. It's not for something that someone might have saved up their money and all of their emotions because this is really emotional for some people, right? They're invested in this. They're going, yes, I want Symbiosis. Yes, I've put down the $200 or whatever it is. Yes, I'm willing to wait five months or whatever the time frame it is. And then now they're going to get a cancellation for a kit, which means they might have a base alpha set, but they can't put it on their keyboard completely, which renders that set unusable. So, you know, I don't think that's very cool. There was definitely some uh, interesting commentary in regards to Kono and some of the things that have been happening in their space. There is a feel within some circles now, you know, across the various keyboard uh, groups, Slack, Discords that I float around in, where it feels like Kono is losing touch with the people. There is a general sense about their commercial drive being stronger than before and they're they're losing that little bit focus there and there are concerns and fears that they might start dropping the ball more and more and end up with a poorer reputation like drop has so communications are really important Um, looking after your people and the community first and foremost because they're the ones who have really brought this up unless you tell me statistically and purchase order wise that your vendors and the amount that, that they've purchased for stock significantly outweighs the individuals who have supported this buy but of course unless if they release that we won't know so there you go Kono uh, I don't know if anybody who listens to this is going to have a chat with you and go hey the board podcast said this that and the other bad stuff about you you know get all upset about and, and blackmail blacklist me from purchases that I don't make anyway, um, but that's my two cents, and you know what, that's kind of what I'm here for, to provide some thoughts and opinions about the way that we do things here. Now, so that that's an alright, um, I suppose, first half of the episode. Let's get into some competition kind of stuff, because we're about 20 minutes in, and then you can just leave the episode there if you're not interested in what I'm going to talk about, afterwards even though i will try and kind of make it relatable to our keyboard and our community so for the month of september the competition was give me a key set or a colorway that you would not like to see and originally there wasn't very many entries at all in fact for the first half of the month there was only three entries and then for the last half of the month there was eight Um and they were all tailed in within sort of the last 10 days practically. So, <laughs> it's good, at least, that calling out to people, hey, if you want to have a crack at winning some stuff, you got to participate. So, let's get into it. Now, because I was kind of chilling out, um I haven't actually copied and pasted some of these, but, you know, that's just how it is. So, Gareth is a color blindness test set which is color pad printed each keycap individually a test pattern a color test pattern and it would look like a petri dish i think it would be a very interesting one indeed um i suppose it's one way to find out if you're actually colorblind or not although trying to put them into the right place and understand which ones were patterned in which way if you looked at a cap and it didn't have something does that mean You'd straight away know that that type of color blindness you weren't, but then you'd have to ask somebody else hey, tell me what the colors are so I can figure out which blindness I'm actually missing. Hmm. i got a couple of Daniels. So Daniel uh, Kuro said, being a father of two and fostering other young children, I would dress this idea of a key set that is based on the color and consistency of baby feces having had a child of my own and been through it the color pantones that uh, daniel had actually put here are very reminiscent of those days that i have been through um <laughs> as daniel says i've grown to despise cleaning children at this point in my life um <laughs> but i would not like to be reminded of how much feces i have dealt with in my life every day on my keyboard uh the reminder of that would be on the keyboard as opposed to actually feces on a keyboard that he's had to clean off. So um, we're talking about Pantone 4495 PC, uh, Pantone 449 PC, as well as an accent of using Pantone Black 2. And if you can have some novelties, which would be like a gross green or brown with corn sticking out of it um, or other hard shelled food. And even reading that, I I'm gonna say I get that visualization straight away. And if you have to, then I think Daniel needs to be congratulated on that. Now I have a Daniel, another Daniel, Daniel Kuber, um, a bubble wrap key set. So you would cut out and adhere bubble wrap to each key. So it could make a very satisfying and tactile pop on bottoming out, but only once. Um and a sticky hand keyset. So you know those, like, those toys that are on that stretchy gummy stuff where it's sticky and you can throw it out and it sticks onto surfaces and then slowly peels off and bounces back? That's the thing that Daniel's talking about. If you made keycaps out of that, because it would collect dust at a tremendous rate and slow down your typing to a crawl, especially because it would be really mushy. Um, and the third suggestion there was a buttered popcorn colorway, which was a splotchy yellow and off-right off white key set perfect for clacking while reading juicy RMK drama. Um, mmm, yummy. I think the sticky cap one would probably be a horror nightmare for people, especially food particulate, animal hair, and small children type of activities. So, mmm. Now, uh, Kim says that his. Entry is any gaming mainstream mech default key set with the Stencil Euro style extended trash font. <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, it, it is such a standard OEM thing out there now, the gamer keycaps. So, yeah. Now, Bram's entry is. Um, It's called GMK Cheetos, standing for Gore Monstrosity Keyboard. Uh, It's black on white, double shot, but it's designed to be as worn down as possible. So it's pre-shiny look, like ABS, um, and it comes with a fingerprint already on it. And the corners of the keycap are printed so it looks like it's cracked. And then there's like yellow orangey dust actually embedded in the keycap so it looks like cheetos dust is everywhere and then the legends are going to be slightly off center in the gaming font that kim is talking about and slightly faded to indicate where um, and then there's fine lines randomly across them that remind you of hair it's basically a keycap that you would look at and go oh, and you want to clean it but then you can't because it's actually manufactured into the the keycap. Ooh. That that will give some people um nightmares I would say. Now Dominic says DSA Mucus, now featuring all your favorite mucal hues. Alpha's available in nasal mucus, uninfected and new virulent green. And modifiers come in intestinal lining and stomach mucus. This round the novelties are available in earwax brown for the EU and NA regions and dry earwax yellow for the Asia and African regions. The color is locally sourced, and to cut carbon emissions, we're localizing. It's not a deal you don't want to miss out on. But ching Lovely pun there, Dominic. Um, Taylor has a keycap set called GMK... No, sorry, it's, it's a D. It's a XDA, but it's XD hay, H-A-A-A-Y. Um, and it's basically the color of um. hay. <laughs> um, it's a celebration of long summers, the scent of cow manure lingering in the air, the cacophony of farm equipment droning in the distance, and boredom. So we're looking at a Pantone of 12-tack 0418 TPX hay, and... 2285 C of grass and it would only be 40% because nobody needs number keys alphas are hay with grass legends mods are grass with hay legends and there'll be an Arama artisan because it's not a real keycap set without one otherwise Um, the MOQ will actually be the number of cattle in a field and the cattle will be counted at the end of summer uh, the group buy concludes at the end of summer and the projected ship date will be when all the cows come home so very uh very inclusive in regards to how that set is going to be run um george has a a visual monstrosity it doesn't really have a name so i i called it hyper watermelon but george says maybe flesh plus mucus um It's kind of like a watermelony pink but it has a bright limey greeny yellowy alphas. It actually kind of hurts my eyes to try and read the legends because of how bright and clashing the colors are. So yeah that's as much description as I want to give it. Joseph's entering is time to clean out the fridge. Sure to be a big hit on interest checks and it's I actually think it looks quite nice um, because the tones actually match, but I can understand where it's coming from because it's like a fungal or mold growing on like white bread. So it's got a picture of a 40% keyboard um, in ortho and it's color toned in different states of mold and fungal growth, which is actually really cool. I kind of like it. I think it would work really well in a very eclectic way it's almost like organized vomit keycaps so i I really do like that one uh pascal says that he is calling it sa care bear the alphas are aggressively pink the color of the cheer bear the modifiers are rainbow colored like the rainbow on the bellies of the care bears and the font is pretty hefty tall to express the childish character of this set um it's also another extremely bright keycap set, and it almost reminds me a bit of like um, Harder Bite, if that's how you want to pronounce it. So it's this fuchsia pink in your face for the alphas, and then it's just these random bright rainbowy colors in no particular order um, for the mods. I would actually say if you produced this. My daughter would love it. So, I would actually say some people would probably like that set. (laughs) Just not us with a little bit more conservative tastes. And finally, Paul S. has a colorway which is called GMK White Off-White. So, it's white keys with off-white legends that are light enough that that you can't see the actual legends. And it's double shot just for the extra cost... And no benefits. It's almost like a troll set, because then when you flip over the keycap, you'll see that there's evidence of double shot, but your brain is kind of like saying, I think there's something there, but I can't see that there's something there. But then maybe you hold it just in the light, it's kinda of like tricking you going, Hey, there's a legend here. But then when you look at it really hard, you're just like, I'm not sure if I'm seeing that legend. I think that that would certainly do some people's head in. That said, that could actually almost be an accidental production and you might see something like that in, you know, grab bags or whatnot. So I want to say thank you, of course, to everybody who put in their entries, the 11 entries. So we got a KiBio kit as per normal. We have a, uh, I believe it is the fidget from um, DIY keyboards. You know what? I am going to check because I don't want to make a mistake and, you know, um, say the wrong thing. So, where are we? September. Yes. So, September is a high pro fidget cube. Um, and then, of course, for the third draw is going to be a the board podcast lapel pin. So, we've got all of our entries. Um, I'm going to go back to that filter. So, first one one, two, eleven. And nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Way. So Joseph, um, congratulations. I need to record this somewhere. We'll be in touch very shortly for you to be able to collect a kit. So that is the KBO. Alright, so now let's go with one to ten and it is five so one two three four five bram congratulations bram you have the diy keyboards fidget cube and one to nine excluding the others and it is two so number two is Daniel Kuro. Congratulations. You've got a lapel pin coming your way. I'll be in touch very, very shortly as well. Radio. So that's the draw for September. Thank you very much all for playing. For October, it is going to be census time. I have started work on trying to build the census. You guys asked a lot of questions. Um, there was actually over 60 questions and what I've done so far is I've actually transported them out of email and i put them into a spreadsheet. And I started bucketing them And I was trying to put them into a couple of different categorizations like demographics and keyset related and artisan related. And then, you know, like how many type of questions, as in the questions of how many do you have of that kind of thing. Um, the problem is a lot of these questions carry the same spirit. But they're worded slightly differently and i don't want people to be bombarded with a massive amount of questions that aren't going to be adding you know specific good value so i'm still trying to work my way through them and tweak them and condense them and if necessary breaking up similar questions that actually serve very different purposes the other feedback that i got thank you very much um was the logarithmic scale in regards to money so quite often you know if you get these kind of censuses they might say well how much money do you spend on average per week per month per year or whatever and it'll be like 0 to 100 you know 100 to 200 200 to 500 and and these values may not necessarily represent very well because it's bucketing quite large arbitrary brackets so the request was you know like a 0 to 10 maybe like a 10 to 20, a 20 to 50. So the scale increases and and isn't nonsensical. So thank you very much for that. I will try and do that when we get into that component. Still have a couple of weeks left in this month to actually put the census together and release it. Um, It just means you're going to have to listen out for when the census is available to get in your entry by the end of the month, whenever I get that. Okay, so... If you're not interested in what I'm going to talk about next, that's perfectly fine. I can understand. Thank you very much. Um, I hope you have a great week. But if you are interested in listening and following on, what I want to talk about now is some training that I'd undertaken. And, you know, my workplace puts training at quite a high importance uh you know it's it's quite a cost to take people away from work plus the cost of actually getting the training set up and having a venue and getting facilitators to come in and if you're going to cater it for food and things like that so they don't take it lightly and just send people willy-nilly on training there has to be value to it so this week gone by uh I attended a 2-day training course which its design intent is all about safety and I had no real expectations on what it was going to be. Safety training, oh, you know, like they're going to probably tell us how to lift boxes and stuff like that and, you know, make sure you think about this and make sure you think about that and don't do this and don't do that. That's the general impression that one gets from safety. Now, how this is related for us here in keyboards is the reality of the training that they delivered to us, while it had a focus on safety I feel it's a lot broader than that and it touches on a lot of aspects in regards to leadership and we'd already talked about leadership in previous episodes especially leadership in our keyboard community and the attitudes that we undertake. So I want to pass along these because like I said many many times often people will just never have an opportunity to go on these kind of training courses and have these opportunities and learn these things because of circumstance cost and so on and so forth so the foundation of this is all about the way that our brains work and and this is why i'm saying it's not necessarily it's not a hundred percent safety specific but there is some aspects of safety here that we should think about as well and we're talking about safety from the point that there are accidents and there are incidents Accidents are things that are completely out of your control and they just happen, right? Like a meteor falling out of the sky, crushing you to death. That was an accident. There was nothing you could do to prevent that. An incident is something that happened that you had some form of control or influence on. But against all precautions, it still occurred. And so a simple example of that is walking down a set of stairs the stairs are in good order but you slipped why did you slip because you were going too fast maybe or because you weren't wearing the right type of shoes and they didn't have enough grip or the grip tape on the actual stairs were worn but nobody had replaced it and so on and so forth so that's an incident because there were things that could have been done to prevent it whereas the meteor coming out of the sky out of the blue as a flash squish accident. So they go on to basically say, we're only looking at incidents, things that are within our control. This is really important because whether you believe it or not, everybody actually has a locum of control. Within our lives, every day, we have a certain amount of control that we can exhibit. If you walk through life and you always blame other people for things that happen to you, then you're going to be in a bad place real quick, real fast. And that's very unfortunate that you think that way, but you, reality in reality, you do have some control on your actions. So safety comes from that, right? But the, the principles here is it comes down to a, a foundation space of what they call the ABR model. A for attitudes, B for behavior, and R for results. Because our attitudes, right, the way that we think and we feel dictate our behavior, which is what we say and do. And what we say and do ends up with a result. And then that result either reinforces our attitude or it can change our attitude so that our attitude once changes our behavior and then obtains a different result. So it's it's a loop. But the loop isn't a closed loop just for ourselves. The loop also affects other people. And this is where the leadership piece comes into play. Because if I hold a certain attitude and I behave in a certain way, the result is not just that my leadership is there and, and working. Other people are affected by that. They're influenced by that. And that will affect their attitude and their behavior and then therefore their results. So in a safety context, if I'm behaving unsafe, because my attitudes towards safety is poor, the result is there'll be more incidents and accidents. But then because I'm not putting care against that, other people will be affected in the same way and go, well, you know what, that person doesn't care about safety, so why should I care about safety? And then they will be in a greater risk of having an accident, incident, and you know the, the issue replicates, right? So why am I talking about this? Well, there's two parts to that. The first one is that keyboards inherently are kind of safe, but at the same time, we've already seen custom designs like the, the Soul, which had an unsafe electrical design in it. And through feedback of the community and a lot of you know very strong whiplash from the community, really, That change was revised and that was a safety aspect right and this is where the attitude of people towards safety excuse me um were were in the right place their attitude was that's not acceptable and therefore it drove their behavior which to speak out and the result was that the creator of the soul revised the design and then that reinforced other people in the community who saw that to go, it's not acceptable to try and release a product that has a potential flaw in safety. But at the same time, our leadership is really important within the community. So if something happens and people are brigading really hard, right, and they're witch hunting and they're coming down and, you know, absolutely smashing somebody and flaming them and everything else, and the comments getting super toxic. That attitude and that behavior is a constant feedback loop and it just degenerates everybody because they see it's okay to behave that way. And so they behave that way and the others see it, that it's okay and so on and so forth. But in the reverse, if somebody stands up and shows that positive leadership and go, hey guys, we should cut this out because shit happened. We need to be positive and work on this and deal with this in the right manner, rather than being toxic about it, it brings other people on that journey, right? Because those attitudes drive those behaviors, which is, all right, we shouldn't behave toxically. And the result is we're going to get a more encompassing, more inclusive, more diverse community that, you know, will, will generate new leaders coming forward. And it's the same with design, right? It's the same with sharing ideas. It's the same with Same with innovation in that if somebody is like, hey guys, I've just come up with this really cool design, you know, I'm happy to help other people with their designs. I'm happy to release these files. So those attitudes and those behaviors drive more innovation, more iterative designs, because their attitude is, I'm not too worried about something ripping my stuff off. Because I'm confident that what I've put out there people will appreciate for it. So so that's a really, really fundamental thing that it came out of these two days there was a lot of other stuff that was very specific to safety you know we're talking about like how our brain processes information the dippy model so if it's dangerous or it's important or it's pleasurable or interesting our brain will take over and actually watch out for it so we should be thinking about well how do we make our brain always consider safety so that it becomes a dippy trigger right we should always be asking questions rather than yes no's we should be getting longer answers So our brain can dive in and pull out and go hey actually should i be engaged because you know what that's actually dangerous or that's actually interesting or that's actually you know something i don't know about so i have to think about it and you're not going to autopilot your way through to an unsafe situation um which you know for keyboards it's probably not not that big a deal but i guess if we want to be you know fishing for links here When you build a keyboard and you're using a soldering iron, how safe are our workspaces? How safe are our setups? You know, we're talking about a 300 degree plus heating element that's very close contact to us. We're talking about, you know, toxic compounds and we're talking about, um, you know, stuff that could potentially catch on fire or melt and burn us. There's fumes that could potentially overwhelm you. I remember ages ago when jay chan from keyclack had been building elect, uh usb cables in a tiny room and he was like he was getting overwhelmed by the soldering fumes you know and things like that so we need to be a bit more aware of how we do what we do and being able to be also leaders in example now i know that i'm guilty of this and i'm willing to admit that that I don't use any form of visible ventilation when I solder. I don't use a soldering um, ventilator, right? I don't have one of those fan things or, or something that sucks away the fumes and the fumes are just, just, just waft, right? And when I build and you see it in the videos and the streams, like I don't have any additional PPE and stuff like that. Somebody who comes along who's brand new to building keyboards to our community, if he sees somebody who is very experienced and they don't have it explained to them, the level of care and safety that they should undertake could potentially hurt themselves, and so, if we want to be more safety conscious, you know we should start thinking about ensuring that when new people come along in our journey with us and are start starting to build their keyboards and do hot works and soldering and stuff like that that they do take five minutes and go and understand, okay, make sure I put my iron in a position where the holder is not going to fall over and accidentally roll a a soldering iron onto me. And, you know, having their workspace clear of food and drink so that you're not going to get, like, solder spotter going into it and stuff like that. And washing your hands afterwards and wiping down your table surface and all that kind of stuff. So they're little simple things that can really mean a lot at the end of the day because realistically you don't want anyone to be hurt no matter how severe the hurt is be it a band-aid to a minor burn to a major burn or worse right um, and of course that always comes back to our attitudes towards something which drives our behaviors which ends up with a result so you know i realize it probably does sound a bit of a far stretch on linking that back to keyboards but modern day life is dangerous it really is everything out there potentially could hurt you or kill you practically if you think about it um so it doesn't hurt to actually be more aware of the way that we act behave and think both in safety and in general with our leadership behaviours and the community on how we want our community to be. So there you have it. Um, you know, If you think that was absolute bollocks, sure. Um, if you want to engage with us and have a conversation about that, please do. Um, hit me up on Discord or you can send us an email to theboardpodcast at gmail.com and I can send you an invitation to join our Slack group. Um... Yeah, I'm more than happy to debate and point you towards some other things that you can think about, if you like, in regards to safety and leadership and how your brain works. So yeah, there you go. Well, thanks very much for hanging in there. If you're still listening, a bit of an unusual episode, not as much on topics from this week, but um, hey, that's just how it is. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Um, don't know how much keyboarding I'll get up to this week. It's a bit of an a, a, a interesting week for work-wise. And yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. Um, yeah, hope you enjoy. Have a good time. Be good to each other. And of course, as usual, until next time, happy clacking.